Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Hey, really glad you're with us for the Wednesday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. And we have good, bad, and crazy martinis for you today. Also, a little bit of a promo for tomorrow. Uh, we're going to tease it out a little bit. We're not going to tell you, or maybe we will. I don't know. We, have, we should have talked about this before we started today, Jim. For the first time. You never know what you're going to get on this podcast because we don't know what we're going to give you on this podcast. For the first time in the 11 plus year history of the Three Martini Lunch, we're going to have a guest. Jim and I will both be here. We've obviously had guest hosts when, when we're out uh, periodically, but we will have a guest, and it's a prominent guest who has wanted some time to address how we have characterized him in the past. So tomorrow, Thursday, December 9th, assuming schedules don't change, uh, we will have a uh, special guest to talk about his previous comments, uh, some years ago, some very recently, which we just talked about on the podcast, and then we'll talk about some other things as well. So, Jim, did I whet the appetite enough there? Any, any other I think that's just give? right. Okay. Um, this is a pleasant surprise. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be uh, a great, fascinating conversation and probably wide-ranging. You and I would not alter our format for uh, for just anybody. And I, I look forward to this. I hope this goes well. If it goes badly, forget we ever said anything about it. <laughs> It's not entirely impossible. Uh, so, yes, just because we've said something that uh, has been critical of you on the Three Martini Lunch, don't assume we're going to give you airtime. But in this case. <laughs> They're going to line up around the block now. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Joe don't, Biden on line two. Don't think it's going to be a habit. Oh, you gave it away. It's not Joe Biden. But uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, let's let's move on to our good martini, which does uh, involve Joe Biden, uh, but not in the way he would hope. Uh, his communist nominee to be uh, comptroller of the currency at the U.S. Treasury Department has withdrawn her nomination because she doesn't have the votes in the United States Senate. This is Cornell University law professor Saule, I still don't know how to say her first name, Omarova, uh, and she is a Marxist. And the administration tried to defend it saying, well, no, you're just uh, biased against her because she was born in the Soviet Union or that she studied at the Soviet Union. That doesn't that doesn't explain her views now. You guys are being biased because you don't like me and you don't like her for some reason. Uh, you're not being fair. In fact, yesterday in accepting her withdrawal, uh, the statement from President Biden says uh, she would have brought valuable insight and perspective to our important work on behalf of the American people. But unfortunately, from the very beginning of her nomination, Saleh was subjected to inappropriate personal attacks that were far beyond the pale. Well, let's talk about some of the criticisms of this nominee, Jim, because she had a confirmation hearing uh, a few weeks back. And Tim Scott, not exactly a bomb thrower when it comes to congressional hearings, not just there to score political points, actually didn't end up asking her a question because he said what she's written, what she said very, very recently is more than enough for him to conclude that she is wrong for this and probably just about any other government position. Here's a couple of the highlights that he read during his time during that hearing. In Jane Family Institute seminar in March of this year, you proposed bankrupting the coal and oil and gas industries, saying we want them to go bankrupt if we want to tackle the climate change. That's really hard to misunderstand on nationalizing banking. Your words, no one else's. This year, not five years ago, not 10 years ago, not 20 years ago, 
this year, you said you proposed to imagine what it would be like. Instead of just a public option for deposit banking, this would be actually the full transition. In other words, there would be no more private bank deposit accounts and all of the deposit accounts would be held directly at the Fed. Nationalizing banks and vowing to bankrupt private industry, that is a critical part of our economy, Jim. Uh, five Democrats actually went on the record in the Senate to say that they oppose this nomination. They should get a shout-out, I guess. Tester, Mark Warner, Kirsten Sinema, uh, Sherrod Brown. I assume Joe Manchin probably was part of that, too, but I don't see his name here. Also, Hickenlooper and Mark Kelly. Uh of course, the sad part is, is that 40-plus, I guess, were okay with her on the Democratic side. But uh, good on Tim Scott and the other Republicans for shredding this nomination. Uh, it was obviously a radical nominee. Yeah, I, I'm kind of, you know, it, it's really infuriating. And I think this is an indication of how perhaps, you know, talking points go out to certain reporters and they get repeated uncritically. My colleague David Harsanyi finds two cases in which uh, both the New York Times and NPR said that she was uh, criticized about being born in the former Soviet Union. There is not a single person who said the problem with her is that she was born in the Soviet Union. Some of my favorite people in this world were born in the Soviet Union. The first thing, and you don't realize, I didn't realize that she had graduated from Moscow State University in 1989. Right, So this is not like, oh, she was born there, she spent her childhood there, and then she came over here. She, she grew up and was uh, educated and shaped by the Soviet system. But hey, fine, lots of people. It's not really the Soviet experience. It's the things she has said about the Soviet system since then. And uh, some of the things that Tim Scott didn't get into there, you know, um, 2019, she tweets, until I came to the U.S., I couldn't imagine that things like a gender pay gap still existed in today's world. Say what you will about the old Soviet Union. There was no gender pay gap there. The market doesn't always know best. I guess if you're okay with gulags, okay? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. there, there were some pretty big glaring things. And the idea that you'd point to the Soviet Union as this triumph of feminism and equality of the sexes, I would urge you to meet some Russians. I would urge you to meet uh, some folks over there and see if they really are set by that. Um, but it really was that, you know, academic paper where she said she wanted to mandate uh, called the people's ledger, right? And have the Federal Reserve take over the consumer bank deposits, end banking as we know it, and become the ultimate public platform for generating and modulating and allocating financial resources in a modern economy. She wanted a central bank digital economy, same way that Venezuela and China do. Huge sweeping changes, and she does it, doing it in the name of the people. But how dare you call her a communist? Um, it was absurd, and I think, you know, most people who, who recognize the Senate is 50-50, and we have seen controversial figures like uh, Javier Becerra becoming Secretary of Health and Human Services on, I want to say it was either 51-49 or 50-49 to or something like that. Look, Democrats control the Senate. They control it very nominally, but they control it. And what's more, you've got the Susan Collins of the world. You've got the Republicans who are not going to be reflexive opponents of every single nominee that the Biden administration puts up. In fact, most of Biden's cabinet passed by pretty generous margins. 
it won if all 50 Republicans are opposed. And then there was at least one Democratic senator. In this case, it sounds like there were a couple of them. Well, then you've got somebody who's got a real problem. This isn't just Republican propaganda. This isn't just crazy right wingers or conservatives who are floating around disinformation or something like that. It really is the nominee's past history. And that, you know, as much as uh, whatever you think of her, you can probably find somebody who can give you every bit as good a job and not have all this baggage and not have these crazy controversial views and not running around talking about it. Um, it is kind of a fun. It also is a, the, the fact that she was nominated really does make raise the question of, I mean, Joe Biden won the Democratic primary in 2020, but Bernie Sanders, you know, if not him, then those who think like him appear to be running the Biden administration, at least in some key ways. Um, it's interesting because the, the Biden win in the primary was seen as a rejection of Bernie Sanders, of socialism, of saying, look, the Democrats are the party of the left, but they're not that far left. And I'm not sure in a weird way, Biden ended up validating all of this. And in fact, the, you know, the uh, the hard left really does have a much bigger voice in this administration than I think anybody expected. And more than I think a lot of Democrat primary voters wanted. But that's where we are. But at least this nominee has been sunk and uh, the possible worst case scenario for banking has been averted. I feel like Bernie Sanders has to be inconsolable right now. This is like his ideological soulmate right here, right? Yeah, actually, the, the Wall Street Journal had uh, speculated that uh, he was actually uh, a little bit disappointed. He was a little too far to the left for him. <laughs> so there actually is something to the left of Bernie Sanders. That's that's good, I, I guess. <laughs> well, if you are stressed over a Marxist uh, potentially having a high-ranking position in our economy, you can relax, but you might still have that extra tension in your muscles, in your shoulders, in your neck, and that's where the Theragun can really help. Look, we had a lot of stress in our daily life. Whether you're an athlete or someone just like me, you need relief just to make it through the day tension-free, and Theragun can definitely help. You know why you need a Theragun? Because my ex-chair can't quite get to that part of my neck. <laughs> Theragun is the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combination of depth, speed, and power. And it is as quiet as an electric toothbrush. The Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good, it gets to the source of the pain by releasing tension. Using Theracun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. Whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out, or you have an injury that you're trying to recover from, or it's just the stress of everyday life, there is no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4. The OLED screen and design make you feel like you're holding something from the future. Just go to their site and check it out. And the Theragun app learns from your behaviors and suggests guided routines. Absolutely love the Theragun. Just this morning, true story, as Joe Biden likes to say, except this one actually is true. Um, Mrs. Caramus was feeling tightness in her lower back, grabbed the Theragun, used it for just a couple of minutes, and felt a whole lot better. So whether it's your quads, your your back, your shoulders, your feet, whatever it is, uh, the Theragun can help. And as Jim said, it actually learns your routine, and the app is a huge help as well. Theragun is trusted by 250 professional sports teams, also elite athletes like Paul George, DeAndre Hopkins, Maria Sharapova, hundreds of thousands thousands of customers, and yes, even me. Try Theragun for 30 days, starting at only $199. Go to therabody.com slash martini right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's therabody.com slash martini, therabody.com slash martini. All right, Jim, on to our bad martini now, and we're back to perhaps the worst martini of 2021. I don't want to give away our 
year-end uh, award selections here, but I have a feeling we're going to be talking about Afghanistan quite a bit uh, in some of those special episodes that'll start around uh, Christmas Eve, I believe. But uh, this is from the uh, Washington Examiner. Homeland Security reporter Anna Giratelli is uh, on this story. There was part of a continuing resolution, you know, to keep the government funded that they did right at the end of the fiscal year in September to keep it funded till the early part of this month. Well, part of that included language that required the Biden administration by November 29th to detail everything it knew about Operation Allies Welcome. That's the government's ongoing evacuation and resettlement initiative of everybody they got out of Afghanistan. Well, the headline here is that they've missed that congressional deadline to actually deliver that report. Uh, here's the quote from the uh, Homeland Security and Government Affairs Committee uh, ranking Republican Rob Portman of Ohio. Again, not a bomb thrower. The Biden administration was required by law to report to Congress by November 30th uh, on the composition and vetting of the Afghan evacuees, including who actually got on our planes and just how many special immigrant visa holders and others who helped U.S. forces and our allies over the 20 years were left behind. It has failed to do so. Quote, the feckless nature of evacuation of Afghans has put our national security at risk, and I am troubled by the administration's lack of responsibility or accountability on this issue. So, Jim, it could be sheer incompetence, it could be a delay, or it could be the administration not wanting to admit that uh, it got a lot of people out, but it got a lot of people out who weren't exactly high on our priority list. You know, there are two aspects about this that really are nagging at me, Greg. The first is... Uh, this is an administration that basically lied its way into the withdrawal from Afghanistan, lied during the withdrawal from Afghanistan, and continues to lie after the completion of U.S. military forces leaving Afghanistan. They lied, you know, when Biden said we'd be getting everyone out. They lied when they said they had vetted everyone leaving the country. And they lied when they said that we have a lot of leverage over the, uh, over the Taliban. I think it was uh, uh, Jen Psaki used the term an enormous amount of leverage over the Taliban. That is, none, none of those were true. There's no evidence that any of that's true. That's bad, and that's extremely bad. You cannot, you know, those who don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it. Um, it really looks like this was a president who got in his head that I'm going to withdraw everybody from Afghanistan. And everybody's going to love me for it because Americans are tired of Afghanistan. They weren't tired of Afghanistan. But they didn't want to leave that way. And Biden, you know, Biden, his, you know, his military advisors testified to Congress. They did tell him it would make sense to keep Bagram Air Base open that it would make sense to have at least two airfields. You could bring people out and things like that. Biden says he doesn't remember being briefed that. Now, maybe he's telling the truth. Maybe Biden doesn't remember things as well as he used to. Or maybe he's lying. Either one of those options are bad. But the second thing is, I have no doubt that as our politics have gotten more partisan and more divisive and more angrier and less less, uh, good faith efforts uh, towards the opposition party, uh, you know, I know the Trump administration ignored a lot of inquiries from Congress. So they got subpoenas, if there are demands for records, things like that, the Trump administration would just ignore it. They just would not respond to those sorts of things. Um, but remember, Joe Biden was coming back to restore these norms. Joe Biden was coming back to restore the Constitution. It was going to have, you know, end the imperial presidency. And one of the things, you, you know, Congress has uh, controls the purse strings. Congress has the right to say, what are your policies doing? Are you holding up? Are you living up to your promises? The regulations say you're supposed to do X, Y, and Z. Are you actually doing X, Y, and Z, or are you sweeping it under the rug and hoping nobody will notice? Which means when Congress says we want the information, you have to provide the information, and that information has to be accurate. It is worth noting I think when the uh, I think about the the veterans who are dying waiting for care in those VA hospitals, 
you know, Eric Shinseki said that the reason the problem was so bad was that he, you know, uh, he thought every, all the reports coming to Washington said everything was fine. He apparently never crossed his mind that people might lie <laughs> and they might say, oh, no, we're doing a great job when they're not actually doing a great job. Guess what? That happens in government. That happens all over the world, really. But uh, that is something the government is supposed to keep an eye on. And that's, you know, it's so infuriating to see this administration, which pledged to run on, you know, restoring norms and getting government back to the way it is, just ignoring congressional inquiries that either they don't know the answers to, which is really an unnerving, an unnerving scenario, or they do know the answers and they know the answers are bad. And they know if the answers get out to Congress, Congress is going to rip them a new one. You're going to have another bad news cycle. So we're just going to ignore it. We're just going to pretend it. we're going to delay. We're going to kick the can down the road. We're going to do everything possible to avoid letting this information go out. Well, the look, people can tell that people have not, not everybody was supposed to get out has gotten out. There are still Americans trapped in Afghanistan. And it's utterly infuriating to see this administration um, that pledged and promised how much better they were going to be than the Trump administration acting very similarly in a lot of key areas. Yeah, absolutely right. And the longer they go, of course, the more you assume, or many people will assume, that they have something to hide. Because, okay, your total number is great, but we know you got tens of thousands of Afghan allies back there. We know we got thousands of uh, legal permanent residents there. We know we got at least hundreds of American citizens still there. And so how many people were just part of the rush? People you didn't have a chance to vet certainly beforehand, and who knows how much you've had a chance to learn since then, uh, ended up on here. It's just uh, potentially leading to uh, a, a huge problem. But again, we don't know. We can only speculate because they can't get their stuff in on time. And if they did, maybe we'd have a better idea of what was going on here. I mean, Greg, there were some ways to tell if someone was threatened by the Taliban, even if they didn't have any papers. Um, if they had ovaries, that was generally a good sign that they were you know, threatened by the Taliban. Uh, you know, basically, you know who was threatened by the Taliban? Afghans. <laughs> so I get that. Unfortunately, we were supposed to help the people you know, who helped us first, put them in front of the line, did not happen. And now they're all hiding and hoping that their luck continues to, that their luck doesn't run out. Exactly. Well, that's thoroughly depressing. Very, very depressing. So is the state of our economy in many different ways, although uh, not as imminently uh, in, in danger, I would say, uh, as uh, Afghan allies who are stuck over there. But uh, in terms of uh, surviving this economic uncertainty, investing in gold and silver could be the right move for you. Check it out, obviously. But look, the price of silver has increased 340% since the year 2000. Gold has also done well. And uh, silver keeps trending higher and higher. And if you want to explore uh, gold and silver investment, Go to Universal Coin and Bullion. Universal Coin and Bullion is offering our listeners a special locked-in price of just $30 for a beautiful one-ounce 2021 American Silver Eagle coin, the most popular coin in the world for collectors and investors. This limited offer is available at dealer's cost because Universal Coin wants you to own the first newly designed silver bullion coin since President Reagan signed the Gold Bullion Act in 1985. Call Universal Coin, leaders in the precious metals industry, at 1-800-UCB-GOLD to get your beautiful U.S. Mint silver coin for only $30. Postage is free, and you'll be dealing with the experts. You can trust Universal Coin and Bullion. Dr. Mike Fulgens is recognized as America's gold expert, and he's the 2021 Coin Dealer of the Year. They also have the rare gold coins, but the special silver deal only available using our code Martini. So use that code Martini when you call 800-UCB-GOLD. That's 800-UCB-GOLD. 
All right, Jim, on to our crazy martini now and out to the L.A. Unified School District. They have covered themselves in just absolute glory uh, during the pandemic. No, they've been among the worst. Uh, they were the ones who, uh, I believe, uh, before the start of the 2020-2021 school year, decided the teachers didn't want back in the classroom unless we had Medicare for all and a bunch of other uh, radical Democratic priorities. Well, instead, they didn't get those, but they have focused on keeping the schools closed and close cooperation with uh, folks like Randy Weingart and the American Federation of Teachers. Now, of course, uh, they're pushing vaccines for the kids now that those have been authorized by the CDC and the FDA. And so they're doing this, but in some cases, it seems, they're doing it without the parents' permission, and they're basically bribing kids to come in and get the shot. And whether you're for the vax, against the vax, this is something that parents should be on top of. They should be the ones to make these decisions for their young kids. And so NBC4 in Los Angeles with the story. Even though the vaccine mandate for LAUSD doesn't go into effect until January 10th, some parents tell us that they believe their kids are being pressured into getting the jab. I should have been involved. Maribel Duarte says her 13-year-old son, a student at the Barack Obama Global Prep Academy in South LA, brought home this vaccine card after having accepted the COVID-19 vaccine at school. She says he said yes when someone offered it in exchange for pizza. The lady that gave him the shot and signed the paper was the one that told my son, please do not say anything. I don't want to get in trouble. LAUSD says student matters are confidential and wouldn't comment specifically, but did say it's Safe Schools to Safe Steps incentive program is meant to ensure several steps are in place for vaccinated students to receive prizes. Duarte says she's not against the vaccine. She's vaccinated herself, but it's different with her son. In regards to my son's health, um, I am against it. Because he's got some underlying conditions that concern you? Yes. He has problems with asthma and allergy problems. So, Jim, anytime somebody at school or really anywhere in life is telling a kid, hey, don't tell your parents about this, something tells me that you know that what you're doing is not right. There was also an attorney in that story saying, look, under California state law, kids literally cannot legally consent to getting a vaccine. So the school's got this entirely backwards here. So uh, once again, lefties freezing out parents, terrible move. You know, the Biden administration said it wanted to get drugs out of schools. <laughs> and now, of course, we're getting them, you know, put into the kids. The other first thought that comes to mind, Greg, is that let's say I decided to write a sequel to the weed agency and I wanted to make fun of school bureaucrats or school bureaucracy or people, te teachers and principals and administrators who think they know best. And I said, I'm going to, I came up with this idea of school administrators who decide to try to get kids vaccinated without their parents' permission or over their parents' objections by sneaking it in there and to have this like secret vaccination program in which they were trading pizza for vaccinations. And if I decided, okay, I've come up with this scenario and now I'm going to make up the school out in LA and I'm going to call it <clears throat> the Barack Obama Global Prep Academy. Some editor would say, Jim, come on. That's just a little too perfect, a little too on the nose, don't you think? Come on, what are the odds that a school would name itself over Barack Obama and the Global Prep Academy and that it would basically say bureaucrats know what's best for children and that parents should have no say in what things get injected into the bodies of their offspring? Um, but lo and behold, here we have it. Truth is stranger than fiction. This is uh, more outrageous. And I'm just going to take one moment to observe. Like, If you're pro-vaccination, if you like vaccines, if you've gotten your kids vaccinated, you want to encourage people to get vaccinated, this story should have you spinning mad. Because this is the sort of thing that fuels anti-vaxxer sentiment. 
this is the sort of thing that makes people say, I'm not getting the whole story on this vaccine. And these, you know, there are folks out there who want to put these vaccines into my kid and they're not willing to take the time to explain it to me and they're willing to do it in secret. That means they're up to something no good. Because if this was great, first of all, if they were really, if this was really good, they would take, you know, they would do this out in the open. Anytime you're doing this in secret and you're trying to hide it from somebody, something's not good. Yeah, I would not be surprised a couple of years from now, people will turn into general anti-vaccine folks. Be, go beyond the specifics of objecting to the COVID-19 vaccine or whether they need a booster or something like that. People will just come to the conclusion that the people running vaccine programs are lying to them. And in this case, it certainly looks like this school is doing something and withholding information from parents and trying to do things without parental consent, which is against the law, besides the fact being an absolutely terrible idea. It is absolutely, you know, the people who are doing this at this school have no idea how much they have set back the cause of vaccinations right now. But hey, you know who I'd love to see come out and denounce this, Greg? Barack Obama? You got it. <laughs> uh, I have nothing to do with it. They name the school after you, pal. I think if you came out and said this is a bad idea, people would sit up and take notice. <laughs> oh, man. That is exactly... <laughs> I can totally imagine that plot line in one of your books. That's fantastic. Speaking of which, you know... Hunting for a horseman, uh, that's always a good one. Uh, Between Two Scorpions, that's great. And The Weed Agency, which you mentioned, uh, all available, I believe, still for purchase. So, Greg, uh, thank you for plugging it so that I don't have to. You see how I just use it in the anecdote, and it just kind of sets this, you know, lays out a little bit of cheese for the mousetrap. So. <laughs> anyway, again, thank you for being with us today. Uh, big day tomorrow with our special guest, assuming things don't change. So, uh, Jim, rest up, and we'll have some fun tomorrow. Looking forward to it, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Columbus of Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. Do subscribe to the podcast if you don't already. Uh, tell your friends about us as well. Thanks for your five-star ratings and your kind reviews. Get us on those home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch Podcast. Follow us on Twitter. He's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a great Wednesday. And please join us on Thursday for the next Three Martini Lunch. Hi, this is Greg Corumbus, and I'm here with Dr. Mike Fulgens. He's the president of Universal Coin and Bullion. Mike was recently named the 2021 Dealer of the Year by the American Numismatic Association. Mike, obviously the economy is pretty uncertain right now. Uh, inflation concerns are front and center. So how can owning gold and silver coins really provide folks some peace of mind these days? Well, gold typically goes up in times when other investments go down. Experts call it a negative beta. And the World Gold Council has shown in studies that a portfolio that has 10 to 20% weighted in gold outperforms one that doesn't. So think of it as life insurance for the rest of your portfolio. And I predict gold will break $2,000 next year due to the increasing national debt, inflation, and the increased spending we're seeing happening with the infrastructure bills that passed and are hopeful to be passed by the Democrats. Dr. Mike Fulgens is recognized as America's gold expert by the U.S. government. Contact Mike and his team of professionals at Universal Coin and Bullion to own your gold and silver coins now. Call 1-800-UCB-GOLD.